You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, Locked On Horn Frogs. Uh, welcome in. It's Monday, new week. And we want to talk some spring football to start here, and then we'll bring in Eric Hughes after that to discuss uh, TCU baseball. I got a sweep of Kansas State this weekend. So uh, Frogs on the Diamond did a nice job, took care of business against the K-State team. Um, that was just a little bit over 500 coming into the weekend. But spring football is in full swing. TCU's had three practices now. Um, Saturday looked like a pretty fun atmosphere. Eddie Lampkin was out there throwing some passes. Um, Gunnar Henderson, one of the walk-on wide receivers for TCU that's been having a nice spring camp, he got a scholarship. That's a name to know. Um, Gunnar is a transfer from Incarnate Word. Um, was not a, a highly heralded kid coming out of high school, was from the Valley, uh, and, you know, didn't have a lot of uh, offers but worked his way to TCU, has been a fixture on special teams. And the players, um, you, you've seen some players talking this week during the first week of camp about, hey, um, he's a guy to watch. That's a name to know if you're sort of looking for sleepers, players that you don't expect to contribute much before the season that could burst on the scene this year. Apparently he's a great route runner and somebody that's made a huge impression on the coaching staff and on the current players. So he was awarded a scholarship on Saturday, and there's a cool video where uh, it's either Fort Worth PD or TCU PD um, makes it out like he's in trouble. You know, they say, who's driving this car, this truck? And then he gets up there and they say, hey, you've been awarded a scholarship. So nice moment there. Um, a lot of access this week as far as having open practices. It seems like Max Duggan and Chandler Morris split the reps for the most part. Um, and, and that's what Sonny Dyke said he expected. Uh, reports out of camp, if you've been following on Horn Frog Blitz, which I encourage you to, and I'm not going to share all the details that they've been putting out there, but uh, is that Chandler had a really good first week. You know, Max did some nice things as well. I think that's going to be a battle to watch, obviously, throughout the spring and into the fall. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if both guys get a lot of opportunities, not only in practice, but maybe in the first few games of the season as well, even though it'll be difficult, because even though Colorado has struggled, you are starting the season against a Power 5 team. So um, interesting to see how that uh, works and, and what's going on there. That's sort of your early impressions and thoughts on the quarterback position. It seems like Chandler Morris uh, had a good first week, and they're both kind of splitting time with those first-team reps. Um, not exactly shocking. I'm sure a lot of players are getting ample opportunity with a new coaching staff. Marcel Brooks moving over to defense. He's back in the linebacker spot. If you missed that, earlier this offseason so we'll see um you know if he's able to find a, a foothold and get and get going find some room on the depth chart for him obviously didn't work out at wide receiver before that he was sort of in that stand-up defensive end role so we'll see what joe gillespie has in store for him moving forward um really curious to see what this defensive line looks like when that first spring game rolls around because there's been so much just kind of unrest with a couple guys transferring new system, new responsibilities, moving to that three-man front. Seems like there's an emphasis on um, bigger players now, guys with more size, more uh, ability to just kind of stand their ground and and take up space at the line of scrimmage. So how does that translate throughout the offseason? Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Noah Daniels, there was an article about him in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram today. Um, he's at that starting corner spot across from Travis Hodges Tomlinson. 
and Noah was banged up all last year. Also seemed like maybe there was um, just some off-the-field stuff going on, maybe some personality differences between him and the coaching staff. But for whatever reason, he was not consistently on the field. Um, When he was, he wasn't super effective. Of course, it's hard to kind of get in a rhythm and play well when you're constantly shuffled in and out of the lineup. But he's there at that starting role um, across from Travis Hodges Tomlinson. And, you know, that's a spot that last year I had a lot of hope for. Um, it did not translate. But with with, uh, with uh, Daniels, with Hodges, with um, Kean Stewart, you know, there's some depth there. Not sure what the status of C.J. Caesar is. Haven't heard his name really come up yet in camp. Obviously, he's really struggled. Um, kind of in man-to-man coverage. But another curious thing about, uh, you know, that corner spot and that corner discussion is these players are going to be asked to do different things. So, you know, Travius is really good in man coverage. And Noah, that was what he was really known for when he was healthy, was playing in man and, and, you know, just locking up their guys on an island like that. And, well, I mean, that's not exactly what they're going to be asked to do all the time now. You're you're probably going to see some more zone. You're probably going to see some more responsibilities outside of just – uh, hey, line up across from this guy and um, and find a way to stop him from catching the football. So uh, all that's going to, you know, shake out as camp continues to roll on. But those are some of the um, interesting and intriguing notes that have come out for me so far. Um, also, you know, it's been cool to see some of the access. I mentioned the open practices. You've had some coaches mic'd up. Paul Gonzalez and Doug Meacham were, were wearing a microphone. Now it's only a minute, right? Like it's only a minute of content. But it's still cool to hear something, um, to hear some communication between the players and coaches, you know, as spring camp rolls along. So, hey, it's it's still kind of the honeymoon period for Sonny Dykes. I think pretty much everything he's doing is hitting on all cylinders. We'll see what happens when they actually hit the field in the fall. But I think, uh, you know, there's a new energy. There's a renewed kind of spirit for this team because last year was so tough with uh, getting off to the tough start and then Gary getting, and then Gary and the university parting ways with a really tumultuous season. So, you know, getting just some fresh faces in there, a new voice, I think will be beneficial for them as they go through spring practice, and hopefully they can pick up on a lot of these concepts as quickly as possible. When we come back, we're going to chat with Eric Hughes about TCU baseball getting a sweep of Kansas State over the weekend. That's next on Locked on Horn Frogs. Um, whatever, whatever he did, it's it's working so far. All right, so I have a I have a comment about the bottom of the order, and I'll, I'll let you, I'll give the floor to you, and you can sort of expand on it if you want. I was watching. I think it was Friday, uh, Chuck Lamondola and Connor Wanahan do a really good job on the ESPN Plus broadcast. Um, and I enjoy having, you know, that feed available for Big 12 baseball. But they were discussing Pete Hughes, the K-State manager, um, I guess said to them or just sort of said out loud in general when he got there the other night, he was like, where the heck is Porter Brown? Because Porter Brown at the end of last season – was just a, a menace against mm-hmm. Big 12 competition and really swung the bat well against K-State. Um, mm-hmm. And he, so he got some more opportunities uh, this on Saturday and Sunday. And I thought, I think he's starting to make some better contact. I just, I'm sort of tired of the revolving door at the nine hole. Like I, I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a manager, but I get they're testing other people out. I just, I think Porter's, proven enough that he should get some more time 
to maybe try to straighten this thing out and, and earn that job. Um, and maybe we will see him moving forward. But it's just – it's so weird that, you know, one of the better hitters at the end of the year last season is just sort of a platoon outfielder at this point. And I know there's some fielding issues involved in that decision uh, making process as well. But, um, yeah, they're still sort of searching for somebody to, to fit in there and turn the lineup over for Elijah Nunez. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I, I think you could probably look at just about any, any order and you're going to have, you're going to have one weak spot, right? So it's not necessarily super surprising that you have, um, you have a tough spot there in the nine hole. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think Porter is going to be the guy that you go to, especially against right-handed starting pitchers. Um, I think he's probably, he had two hits this weekend, one on Friday, one on Sunday, um I drew a couple walks there so he's starting to starting to get on base a little bit more when he does get on base I mean that's where he's really valuable because he's got that speed he can steal some bases go first to third on some singles um but even saying that I mean he's he's still only hitting 194 on the season um does have uh you know close to as many walks as he does strikeouts but um, so it hasn't necessarily been, in my opinion, he hasn't necessarily outright won that job. It's just that nobody else has kind of stepped up in that, in that role. So what, what I think that you'll probably see going from here on out, at least in my opinion, is Porter will start uh, against right-handed pitchers. And then if a lefty reliever comes in, they'll pinch hit a Mason speaker um, or somebody like that. But I think Porter's probably going to be probably going to be the guy there in the nine hole um, just out of not having anybody else at this point. Right. Um, so one more thing about the offense and, and you brought this up to me, but I jokingly said to you, I think it was maybe Saturday. I was like, man, nobody, nobody works a walk like the TCU horn frog. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that, that is part of what they do offensively. Like, they are up there trying to drive up the pitch count, trying to get free passes. And you had a stat today, Eric. What was what was the stat, that everybody in the lineup had more walks and strikeouts? Yeah, was that I think it was seven out of the nine guys um, coming into today's game had more walks than strikeouts, which is insane, unheard of. It is. And I think it, it leads to a bigger discussion that could be its own podcast in itself. But um, – <laughs> I, so that's what they do. Like, that's part of what Bill Moziello is teaching these guys. It seems like they target players um, that definitely have a uh, a pretty good eye that are, are not going to be fooled by pitches out of the zone. But I wonder, because they – I mean, they don't really have guys that can mash. Like, Braden Taylor, Bishop, Sacco are threats to go deep. Um but they're they're really trying to manufacture runs by getting free bases and then getting base hits, and they've done that well. I just don't know if you can beat some of the best teams in the league and go deep and make deep tournament runs if you're heavily relying on walks and hit-by-pitch and those kind of things mm-hmm. to keep the train moving. But um, I just want to get your thoughts on that because I – I think it's it's great and it works, especially against, you know, teams like K-State that don't have a great pitching staff. I just don't know if there's a, a ceiling to, um, you know, running your offense like that. 
Sure. No, that's a fair question. And it's interesting because I, I think in the past few years, we've seen we've seen that to a certain level. I, I was even looking at the past few seasons of just how many how many walks, um, like what's your walk rate, that sort of thing compared to strikeout. And there was only four guys that had more walks than strikeouts um, in the past five seasons compared to this year where there's over four just right now. Now that's not necessarily going to happen the full season, but um, like you said, it's certainly their MO. Um, I think in college baseball, for certain, uh, you you're forcing you're forcing the the pitcher to uh, to beat you when you're when you're when you're drawing those walks. And a lot of times, even later in the season, uh, you'll see guys uh, tighten up a little bit uh, in big moments. And so I think that's that's kind of the idea is that we we think that. Uh, when it comes to these big moments that we want to let, we want to make the pitchers beat us. And even if you, you put the ball in play, I mean, if you're a really good hitter, you're going to get, you're going to be getting out 70% of the time, putting the ball in play. You're going to, if you're hitting 300. So I think that's the idea. Um, certainly Braden Taylor is on another level in that regard. Uh, he has uh, 31 walks compared to 15 strikeouts, uh, which is like, almost Barry Bonds level. Uh, but no, it's, it's certainly a fair question and it's something that's going to have, we'll have to let play out. Um, I personally, I, I like the the idea of it because um, just having guys on base just automatically puts pressure on the pitcher, puts pressure on the defense. And so, um, you know, certainly you want your big guys to, to have their chance to, to, uh, to drive in the runs when they get that opportunity. But um, just by having those guys on base, uh, it, it certainly, uh, puts a little bit more pressure on the pitcher. And, you know, even in the past few years, the frogs have had a, uh, ha- have, it feels like they've had quite a few of guys left on base in certain, uh, bigger games and that sort of thing. And so, um, I think it's a fair question to ask, um, and, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out against some of the better teams in the Big 12. Yeah, and I think I might be exaggerating a little bit because my, my frustration is when sometimes I feel like guys go up there and they're really almost begging to get a walk. Like, and, and I, don't, I don't think that's been the case so much this year. I remember thinking that about Elijah Nunez last year at times, but that was sort of when he was in the midst of struggling. Mm-hmm. Um you know, one AB that comes in, this is one at bat, so I'm not going to try to make a big deal of it, but like mm-hmm. Logan Maxwell Saturday against Baylor last weekend uh, in the middle of that rally, it really seemed like he was just, he was like, man, if I'm not walking here, I'm not getting on. Um, mm-hmm. But if if you can do it, like you said, if you can do it effectively, it puts a ton of pressure on teams. And there have been plenty of innings this year where they've gotten, you know, the first two, the first three guys on, and then, the hit parade starts coming and you have a big inning. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a give and take, but it's just, uh, it makes for some long games one. And, and, and you, gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta wonder about teams that have a more beefed up pitching staff, um, mm-hmm. what that's going to look like, but crazy yes. weekend in big 12 baseball, uh, TCU oh, Texas yeah. business. What did you, I know you didn't get to watch much of it. But what did you make of that Texas tech, Texas series? Great um on on especially on friday and saturday when tech walked off (laughs) 
Crazy, man. I've never seen anything like the Friday, the way the game had finished Friday night, stealing home to, to win the game. I mean, that's that's wild stuff there. I, I mean, I, I like you said, I wasn't watching the game, so I got to question what, what is going on in that pitcher's mind, not even given any time time of day to what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Texas is, is, is certainly the favorite. Now, uh, TCU fans know playing in Lubbock, is a uh it's a tricky it's a tricky thing there's some weird stuff that can happen in any sport certainly but baseball especially so uh tech taking two or three there uh same same kid same cat hitting that walk off grand slam on saturday throwing the old horns down so he's letting letting them know as he's running running around the bases but uh it's gonna the thing about the big 12 man it's it's so top heavy you know you've got the your top four teams and then after that it's such a drop off and so it's going to be a fun fun way fun uh, season down the stretch to see how those four teams are jostling up against each other it will be um and yeah that was an emotionally charged series for mm-hmm. weekend one of the big 12 but yeah you're right you really hit the nail on the head i think what makes tech so good is and especially against good teams, like they just do not lose at home mm-hmm. against against the top of the league, um, which is it's commendable. But they they sort of found a way to to hang out. I mean, TCU went there last week last year and uh, like blitzed them on Friday night. Had a chance to do mm-hmm. it Saturday and, and couldn't do it. And then um, yeah, had well, we all know what happened. They had they had issues on Sunday really all year yeah. long, but. Anyway, we, we don't have to rehash all that. We'll, we'll take that <laughs> for another week. Eric, thank you as always. Um, this thank has you, been Locked On sure. Frogs, and we'll, we'll talk some more baseball next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, guys.